David. So Hard Knocks is becoming weak as the season goes on. I, for one, am a big fan of uh, All or Nothing. You know, knock on wood if you're with me. Knock on wood if you're with me. Make sure we're clear on that. Are we men? You guys like it? You guys love it or like it? It's good stuff. Are you with me, uh, everybody? Knock on wood. Knock on wood if you're with me there, man. Is this like five minutes long? (laughs) I wish. You guys love it or like it? Great. Love it. Boom, I like that. Knock on wood if you're with me. Let's go get it going. I love it. I like it right there. Well done, guys. Make sure we're clear on that. Are we mad? Yeah. Good stuff. Knock, knock, knock on wood. Are you with me, everybody? Knock on wood if you're with me. Well, all right. <laughs> you know, when I started watching the first couple episodes of that, I would be sitting at my desk usually watching it, and I would knock on wood when he said it. So, But I can't do it anymore after that. I totally understand. <laughs> we, we have on with us tonight uh, Sean Foss, who's our rookie expert, writes the Rookie Report weekly during the fantasy season. Has been for quite a while, uh, so cheers to coming aboard. Cheers, Sean. Thanks cheers. for joining us. Cheers, Shens. Happy to be here. And uh, he hasn't seen the last episode of Hard Knocks, so you just spoiled it for him, really. Yeah, that's really the only interesting thing that happens. A spoiler. I mean, I'm happy to knock on wood. I'm with him. I'm All with right. Gruden. Let's go. Okay. I kind of, to be honest, I, I kind of enjoy watching Gruden in general because he's an entertaining character. So when the Raiders had to play Green Bay in Winnipeg, and I say had to because if it was a decision and it was optional, they'd probably be like, Napa's good. Napa's fine. We're going to sure. stay in Napa. We'll stay in Napa. Um, I think that the Packers would have preferred to go to Napa too. But because they had to play with uh, with the moved field because the end zones were crap, and they had to have uh, the eighty yard field, it was really interesting watching the exchanges with Gruden. And it's the not even. And, it, it, it it wasn't even the fact that the field was in bad shape. It was that the goalposts for the CFL are there in the middle of the um, end zone, and they took the goalposts out. And there was a giant hole in the field. Oh, that's great. So it was something that was completely predictable, something that they could have prepared four months ago, um, and they just didn't bother. Well, they so didn't way want to the, go, NFL International. The players I mean, falling at, in a hole. After <laughs> the debacle with the Hall of Fame game a couple years ago, you would think they would like start to plan this stuff ahead for these games that are outside of the normal stadiums. Or maybe the game in Mexico City last year. Yeah, I mean, constant issues. Or maybe the uh, terrible practice field that got A.J. Green injured for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, well, it as, sounds like they need some kind of a, a oversight or project manager. They yeah. obviously don't have. They need that. the sod father, <laughs> who as, is the groundskeeper at uh, for the White Sox. Well, all those people are busy. They're all doing random and secret drug tests, so they they need everyone. Oh, they're making sure that no football players smoke marijuana. All the all hands on deck. Nobody can have Can't have that. Nobody can smoke any pot. So don't worry about the field. But what's really important is making sure that nobody smokes. Knock on wood if you're with me. <laughs> Which I mean, that's that's why Gronk's not coming back because he's now invested in pot. <laughs> yeah, is that his announcement that he made? Uh, he was it's some sort of pot uh, branded product that he was pitching today. The Gronk bong or something? Uh, no, I think I don't know it's exactly. Called a Gronk. He's following in the footsteps <laughs> of, uh, of of Chong. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we we are here today to go over the NFC and AFC South divisions. We're going to go over every team. Uh, go over a couple of, of different uh, questions that, that we prepared ahead of time and have some discussion about those as well. And since Sean is here, uh, going to do a little highlighting on the rookies that are available to talk about. 
one of the great things about his column, the rookie report throughout the year, is that every single week you can kind of, you know, take uh, um, or, or check on on how all the guys are doing because because it's one of those things where rookies, especially, uh, may not be highlighted in the games. They they may be a fourth receiver, fifth receiver, a third running back. But they could still go out there and make plays that you miss, especially uh, like Jason. I know likes to watch Red Zone, and Red Zone is all mm-hmm. it's all great and good. But you're not really watching a football game. Well, I love crack, <laughs> so it is football crack. There's there's reasons for and against. Um, certainly, <laughs> if you're gonna go home on on like Tuesday after after Sunday games and then watch like every single half an hour repeat of the games on NFL Network or something, then then you're insane. First of all, but <laughs> and you probably still it's only eight hours worth of football that you already know about, and you probably still even, wouldn't get even to see the less rookies. on bye weeks, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that sometimes you can't see what those guys are doing, so it's great that someone is gathering all that information in one place. So look for it on our site, drink5.com, also and the fantasy football subreddit on Reddit, where uh, there's often a discussion about it afterwards. All right. <laughs> When you see the Southern Cross for the first time, you understand now why you came this way. Because the truth you might be running from is so small, but it's as big as the promise, the promise of a coming day. So Jason here generally plays a little game with the listeners. Is there a theme today? There is a theme. So if you can identify the theme, let Dave or I know what the theme is, and you may be the winner of a prize this week. Sounds good. It's probably a, uh, a recording direct to vinyl of Knock on Wood, Men. <laughs> you can play it whenever you Produced want. Produced by John Gruden. So let's start with the Houston Texans. They didn't sign any offensive players of note in free agency, unless I'm wrong about that. Can you guys think of anybody that they did sign in free agency? Sign in free agency? No. Okay, they did fire their GM uh, Brian Gain and Lamar Miller. Who did they hire as their, G- as their new GM? They decided, I believe, that they were going to have like a triumvirate. <laughs> they were just like, "We'll do a little bit of GMing." They're going to be like, eh, "We don't need a GM. That's overrated." <laughs> oh man! I mean, it's a it's a mistake. The, didn't the Jets also it's a do that? Big mistake. <laughs> it's a mistake. But uh, I guess they'll find out. Uh, Lamar Miller tore his ACL and MCL in the preseason. He did that without falling into any kind of CFL holes. Uh, so it's difficult, but but it, he accomplished it. And they acquired uh, running back Duke Johnson from the Browns just a couple weeks ago, which is probably good timing for them. Uh, yeah, although very bad, fortuitous. Bad for Duke because uh, I bet his contract would have been a little bit higher if Lamar Miller had already been out for the season. Yeah, although interesting fact, uh, Duke Johnson uh, was acquired for the most compensation that any running back has had since um, uh, Trent Richardson went for a first-round pick. Well, that's not good. Doesn't bode well for Duke. <laughs> I guess you're right. Or maybe he'll have one good year. Although we do have all the AAF players re-entering the league now. Oh boy, got Luis Perez in Detroit. Do they still? Do they get to keep their AAF, AAF gear, or do they have to give it back? So I'm pretty sure liquidated. that uh, most of that stuff got <laughs> impounded. Oh man. Uh, so so that's about it from off-season changes. We're talking about. Uh, who's going to be the wide receiver that breaks out. There's been a lot of noise about Kiki QT breaking out this year, but he's had issues staying healthy. And the coaches said that it doesn't even seem... It doesn't seem like he's going to play maybe week one or maybe even week two. So uh, a guy that is really talented, uh, like Kiki, it's unfortunate for the team and for him. And I know that uh, you were high on him last year. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's an outstanding slot possession kind of receiver, but um, he really complemented DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller well. I yeah. think that was he was just a great fit in what they do. Huh. So Will Fuller's a fourth-year guy, and he's also had trouble staying healthy. Went down with an ACL last year. Appears to be fully recovered now, and he's my choice for a breakout, although a lot of people might say he already broke out. According to the standards that I generally use, he hasn't. Uh, he, he had seven touchdowns in 2017, but he's only maxed out at 635 yards. So I think this year with uh, Watson, with Hopkins, with no QT, at least for a while, leads to Will Fuller having an opportunity to do better than he ever has. So that's my choice uh, for a guy who's going to do a lot better than, than his ADP. Uh, completely random. Can we play the, uh, the Sean game for a second? Where did Kiki QT go to college? Uh, Texas Tech. Ah, very nice. Cliff Kingsbury. And now he plays in Houston, Texas. He was born in Texas. So he's a fucking Texas boy through and through. All about Texas. Very nice. I, I like Duke Johnson as a sleeper, and I say that because I think his ADP right now is 79. He's the 34th running back coming off the board on an average draft. This is according to Fantasy Pros. If we have any stats like that, it'll most likely be from Fantasy Pros uh, ADP. And yep, that's where all mine are from, too. And because Lamar Miller suffered a season-ending injury, especially in PPR leagues, Johnson will definitely end up outperforming his ADP. As long as the Texans don't pick up someone to totally eclipse Johnson and and play more snaps than he would. So, for example, if they were to pick up a guy like Melvin Gordon, which isn't going to happen, or or maybe even Jay Ajayi, although I wouldn't recommend that to the Texans. What about Kenyon Drake, I think was the last name I heard and they're around. floating around that there's going to be some kind of a trade with Kenny Stills and uh, and Kenyon Drake for Jadavian Clowney. Until that happens, I'm not going to say anything about it. But that's the point, though. If they do get Kenyon Drake, then he'll probably end up being the guy that gets the most snaps over Duke Johnson. I would think so. Uh, but if that doesn't occur, then I, I believe that he'll have the opportunity to succeed in this offense. And that's why a lot of people have been picking him up and his ADP has been rising. Uh, a stud that you can draft, Deshaun Watson, ADP 40, the second QB uh, taken in most drafts. But I would still say that DeAndre Hopkins is clearly the stud there, ADP of 5, wide receiver 1. So easy decision to make. He will almost certainly catch 100-plus passes for 1,500-plus yards and 10-plus touchdowns. And, and he'll probably outperform that. I mean, I think last year he had like 1,500 yards. I wouldn't be surprised if if the guy is you know in the running for the most fantasy points ever uh, this year or next year because that's the kind of uh, offense that that I'm expecting from the Texans. The best wide receiver season ever. What is it, Josh Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> if you extrapolate it, I guess. Um, so single season yards would have been Calvin Johnson, one thousand nine hundred and sixty four. Uh, Julio Jones has the number two season in 2015. Um, that might be it because he had eight touchdowns that year. I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be someone who had the most touchdowns would probably. Uh, For points, sure. It'd have yeah. to be 1,500 plus yards and like 15 touchdowns, 16 touchdowns, something like that. So, yeah, Calvin Johnson only had five touchdowns the year. He had 1,900 yards. I want to talk a little bit about Jordan Thomas, who's a second-year tight end, and I think that he could end up being a tight end two overall, maybe on the mid or low aspect of that. But right now, his ADP is 373, 373, so not drafted in any leagues. Tight end number 41. At least he has an ADP, Dave. <laughs> Some of these guys don't have ADPs. Well, you can only go so far. 
You know, you can only rank so many people yeah, before you ADP get of one thousand before you get tired and have to go to sleep or eat a meal. <laughs> um, so I think that it's a it's a really interesting guy to look at, especially because after the first five or six tight ends, there's really uh, uh, just a, a conglomerate of these guys that are okay. So when you're looking for these guys like Darren Waller or Jordan Thomas, and Thomas is definitely below him, but I think his ceiling is uh, is definitely uh, low top ten, uh, at least very least like fifteen to twenty on the list. So good guy to have on your team. I think a, a waiver pickup is is pretty uh, possible for him. And then uh, Demaria Crockett is that the right way to pronounce that word? Demaria. 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 It's not yeah. Damaria. Well, that's fancy. Damaria. Yeah. Dam area. If you're driving down a Demar- Chevy and you feel something heavy, Damaria. Damaria Crockett, <laughs> ADP of 303, running back 78. Uh, I think that he'll probably find his way onto the lineup as well, unless they bring someone in. So if they bring someone in like Kenyon Drake or Jay Ajayi, like we were talking about, uh, to to be in the backfield, then a guy like Crockett probably won't really play anything. But if they don't, if they decide to go with their guys, then it wouldn't be surprising if Crockett gets to you know test his stuff. And rookies on this team, uh, we talked about uh, uh, Kahale Waring. Third round, 86 overall for depth at the position. But it turns out that according to the latest news that just happened today, he might end up being put on IR, and then they probably just won't worry about him at all. Uh, Sean, any other rookies on, on this squad that we should know about? Well, one you did already mention, uh, Demarie Crockett. Right. Uh, is a rookie undrafted out of Missouri. Um, he and also Karan Higdon, who is undrafted out of Michigan. I guess um, just making up freaking names here. I no, swear. they're both real players, I promise. <laughs> He's a real boy. Um, here's the thing. You mentioned Duke Johnson as a sleeper. I am not as sold on him being a sleeper because, number one, on a team with a mobile quarterback like Deshaun Watson, the checkdown option is often, often to run and not to dump off to the running back. And I, Duke Johnson, even when the number one running back was Isaiah Crowell, his max career carries was like 102. I don't see him being the guy who carries the full load, even if they don't bring – I'm saying if they don't bring anyone in. I think Crockett or Higdon, more likely Crockett, is going to be the person who sees a lot of early down work along with Duke Johnson. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. With Lamar Miller gone, who the hell knows what's going to happen with that team, right? I think they're still the favorite. Sorry. All right, so uh, we will go down south to New Orleans for the Saints. Um, the Saints have remained pretty steady on offense. So the biggest acquisition that they've made, um, they made two really. Uh, Jared Cook at tight end. Uh, he's currently a 72 ADP with a uh, seventh tight end off the board. Um, Cook uh, had you know a couple good receiving seasons over the last two years. His best two years of his career. Um, and, uh, you know, what I think of when I, you know, when I see him moving to the team, I think here's Jimmy Graham again, right? Or that's the ceiling of it anyways. 
You know, you want to see uh, tight end succeed in that offense again because it's been really bad ever since uh, Jimmy Graham left. Don't don't talk that way about Ben Watson. <laughs> so sorry. Did not mean to offend the Ben Watson fans here. Um, but yeah, I, I can see Jared Cook being very good. Obviously, being drafted as the seventh tight end off the board, a lot of other people kind of agree with me there. Um, so he's in a position that has very little depth across the league. So he's going to be very fantasy relevant this year. Um, in the backfield, Mark Ingram is gone. He's in Baltimore. The Saints picked up Latavius Murray. Um, he's ADP 81, going now as the 34th running back off the board. He's going to change the pace uh, beside Alvin Kamara. So touchdowns are not a very predictive stat. However, Murray has had at least six in each of his last four seasons, so that, I guess, could be a trend. Um, so I, one thing I, I would bet on is that Murray is going to vulture some touchdowns away from Kamara, uh, if only because he'll be getting the ball inside the you know 10-yard line. Uh, where Kamara would be lining up for passes in those situations. Uh, so it's not like Kamara won't be in, but it, it's gonna they're going to be handing it to Latavius Murray near the goal line for sure. Um, so the breakout guys this year, there's two wide receivers that I've been looking at. Uh, you got Keith Kirkwood, who has no ADP. Um, he's probably going to be stuck uh, being like way back there um, this year. But he did have 16 yards per catch last year. He managed to score two touchdowns. But he only had 13 catches in eight games. So he's going to fight for snaps, and he's only going to be relevant um, if you're in a very deep league. Um, so uh, the guy who I like as a breakout candidate is Traquan Smith. Um, his ADP is 189. He's the 65th wide receiver off the board. Um, I kind of like him a lot as a sleeper. Um, you can take him at the end of the draft, so you don't really have to invest a lot into him. You don't have to reach for him at all. Um and, and when you're looking at a guy like that, he's probably going to fill in um, on your team during a bye week or if one of your other players goes down uh, and you need somebody to start for like a week. Um, so I would rather have the third or fourth option on a really good offense than the first or second option on a bad team like Miami or Tennessee. So if I'm going to have that sort of fill-in spot, I want the ceiling there. I, I like a Traquan Smith. Um, so he's great as a sleeper. Um, but there's even better value, if you ask me, on the Saints. Uh, so you got Ted Ginn down at ADP 255. He's the 85th wide receiver off the board, so you can have him even later than Traquan Smith. Uh, he will probably wind up being a um, he will probably wind up being a free agent at the end of most drafts, and you can pick him up on the waiver wire after week one or two. Um, now remember that the Saints have a really hard uh, schedule starting out, so. If they're going to win their games, they're going to have to spread the ball around a lot, and that means that Ted Ginn might get a lot of action early on. So you might be able to pick him up and trade him immediately, something like that. Um, you know, we're always big proponents of uh, trying to get rid of uh, guys that are only going to be a flash in the pan. You know, pick him up and trade him right away. See, uh, you know, give him the people who have uh, wide receiver injuries early on, stuff like that. Um, so Ted Ginn did have uh, 53 catches on 70 targets. Uh, in 2017, last year he only played like three or five games or something like that. So the injury uh, bug did bite him. Uh, but Drew Brees does like to throw it to him. So that's huge for uh, Ginn. Um, so studs on this team, that's real obvious. There's actually two uh, that are bona fide studs. Uh, you've got Elvin Kamara, who is ADP2, running back two. Um, he has been drafted before Saquon Barkley in the drafts that I've been in. Uh, anyways, um, so Kamara has been the finished fourth at uh, running back in the, each of the last two seasons, 
And in my opinion, he's the safest of your top tier running backs. Would you guys take him over, you know, the other three guys there? I just did yesterday. All right. So, yeah, the answer is yes. Money where your mouth is. Okay, sounds good. You like him? I don't have him anywhere. I've never owned Alvin Kamara. Well, you don't have, like, if you had a first-round pick yet this year? A, a number one overall pick? He's like, I just don't get, I'm so good I have a handicap where no one allows me to pick in the first round. That would, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> um, I haven't had a, a real early pick, or if I have, then I've gone the other way. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not that I don't like him. That's not why I ha- don't have him. I, I agree with you. I think it's uh, a pretty reliable pick. Um, of course, now that we've said that, he'll he'll probably uh, bust and and only score like fifty fantasy points and then tear his ACL. <laughs> but uh, I think statistically, uh, and and some of our friends that are super into math and, and do some columns for us, like uh, like Jim for example, would probably tell you that because he has finished in that tier for two years in a row and nothing much has changed in his team, besides eliminating another running back that he played with before, that he should only be as good or better. I'm, I like I like that. I mean my I'm my reasoning my reasoning for liking him there is those top few guys are all pretty interchangeable, but the Saints, in my opinion, pretty obviously have the best offense of the three. And it's not like he's got a ton of red zone competition. Mike Thomas has not been a huge touchdown scorer in his career as the number one receiver. Kamara's going to find the end zone. Yeah, he'll definitely be in on the field at all those red zone plays. Whether or not he's in the backfield getting the ball handed to him, I don't know. But he'll be on the field. He'll have plenty of opportunities this year. Um, So the other stud on the team, obviously, Michael Thomas, ADP 12, WR3. Um, You can count on him for ridiculous numbers. He has put up amazing numbers every one of his three seasons in the league. Um, Unfortunately, unless you're in a uh, auction league and want to spend all of your money, you're not going to wind up with both of these guys on the same team. Um, So you got Michael Thomas was the WR8 in the last two seasons in standard leagues, the WR6 in PPR leagues. Um, so I, I would like to see him get in the end zone more, but his catch rate last season was 85%, uh, which I believe broke a record between him and Drew Brees, especially because he had well over 100 receptions. So to have over 100 receptions and to basically never drop anything uh, and to have them all just like right on point is amazing. Um, and Michael Thomas and Drew Brees may have the best quote-unquote chemistry in the league in, as far as like a connection between a quarterback and a wide receiver. Um, so yeah, I, I like Michael Thomas, obviously, um, I think a guy like DeAndre Hopkins may have a higher ceiling. Um, but I'm just fine with taking Michael Thomas as my first wide receiver. That would be amazing. I I would think that I'd have a good team. Okay. (laughs) Um, so uh, during the season, uh, as I said before, because of his low ADP, Ted Ginn is most likely to be your early season waiver pickup. So they play against the Texans, they play at the Rams, and then at the Seahawks uh, in the first three weeks. So those are three good defenses, as of last year anyways. Uh, I expect those teams to be good again this year. Um, so I expect Ted Ginn to be forced into you know the rotation uh, as far as like Drew Brees having to spread the ball around. He's not going to be able to throw it to Michael Thomas 20 times a game in those games because those teams will scheme against him for sure. Um so rookies on the team, uh, the Saints traded away a lot of their picks in 2019, uh, or, or the 2019 picks. So last year they traded away some picks, picked up a defensive end in the draft. Uh, they also traded away a few more picks in order to acquire Teddy Bridgewater. They traded away a pick to get uh, Eli Apple during the season last year. 
Um, but I would be uh, remiss if I didn't allow Sean to discuss uh, Divine Ozigbo. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a fan of Ozigbo. He was pretty solid at Nebraska uh, last season. Um, the biggest thing with him is that he is going to be the direct backup to Latavius Murray. If okay. anything happens to Latavius, Kamara is not going to handle the entire load in New Orleans. I would see Ozigbo as the guy who would step in and be able to handle you know a, hand, a handful of goal line carries. You know things like that spell Camara, um, Dwayne Washington, who's been there, who's been around the league a couple of years, impressed in the preseason, but he's hurt. So it looks like Ozigbo is the guy who steps into that spot and keeps Washington out of it. Um, he's like I said, he's a name to know if anything happens to Latavius Murray or if he just eventually pushes him for playing time. Um, so is he someone who? Would fill in for Kamara if Kamara got hurt, or is that not the type of back he is? No, he's not. He was not a big time receiver in college. Um, here I can pull up the numbers, but in my in my opinion, he's more of a runner than a receiver. Okay. Um, so I don't believe he would make a big dent there. I think those those targets would just kind of find their way to the receiving game. Uh, I think they'd find some some short yardage receivers that would kind of pick up the slack there. All right. Um, anything else to add for the Saints? Not I. So, I did pull up. I'm pulling up the numbers right now. Ozigbo in college had a career total of 49 receptions. 23 as a senior. And that's over what three years? Oh, he played all four years. Oh yeah, that's nothing. So um, I'll pick it up here with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars are an interesting team. Um, you know, it's been kind of messy there. Uh, the biggest things that have changed, I mean, they went from being an AFC championship game team to 5-11 and 11 last year. Um, but coming into this year, the biggest thing they did was they added stability to the quarterback position. Um, they've been dealing with Blake Bortles up and down play for, what, three, four years, and, and they bring in Nick Foles uh, in a trade from Philly. Um, signed him long-term. It's going to bring experience and stability to that position and consistency from week to week. Um, what I want to know is what's going to happen on the good place now that Blake Bortles is not in Jacksonville. Well, I, he's probably going to take over for Jared Goff when he gets injured on the Rams. J- Jason, Jason, <laughs> Mendo- Jason Mendoza is going to love Nick Foles. Okay? <laughs> um, they also... Uh, Get Marquise Lieback, who missed all of last season, uh, and then also added Dante Moncrief in free agency. Um, you know, Moncrief, or, I'm sorry, lost Moncrief in free agency to Pittsburgh. Sorry about that. Um, so that's the biggest changes they had in the offseason. Uh, for this upcoming season, uh, the breakout receiver, I mean, this, I think this actually is a third-year wide receiver, Is uh, for me, is Day-Day Westbrook. Isn't it great when that happens and it's yeah. actually a third-year receiver? I know it's, that's, that's obviously the, 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 um, the cliche is it's the third year <laughs> they break out, but this one actually is. So Westbrook's being drafted as the 83rd overall pick in PPR leagues, 37th wide receiver off the board. Um, 
but he was already their leading wide receiver last year. And this year he gets a reasonable quarterback. Uh, Blake Bortles out of 33 qualified quarterbacks was 30th in the league in passer rating. Uh, Nick Foles was not qualified, but he was significantly better and he'll be a huge upgrade and result in a lot more consistency from Westbrook week to week. He's the receiver you want to own if you're going to own anyone on this team. So if you just had to put a number out there, how high above his uh, his ADP, like um, in the wide receiver list, for example, do you think he'll finish? End up being like a WR of three or four on uh, on your football team? I think I'd be comfortable with him as my number three. Um, in 37, even in 12-team leagues, is outside of that. I mean, I would say he's probably a mid-wide receiver three. So it's not way above his ADP, but above it. Gotcha. Uh, as far as a sleeper from this team, uh, I mentioned him in what's changed, uh, Marquise Lee. Um, he was a guy who was really kind of building a rapport as that kind of short yardage receiver uh, with Bortles before the injury he suffered last year, and I think he can step back into a role, and he's barely being drafted. He's the 87th wide receiver off the board in PPR leagues. He's a guy you can grab, take a flyer on at the end of your draft and, and potentially get some decent production out of him. Uh, and then, obviously, the uh, the proven stud on this team is going to be Leonard Fournette. Um, they still, I mean, he's still the engine that drives the team. Even last year with them going 5-11, and 11, they ranked 19th in the league in pass attempts. They're still a run-first offense, even when they're bad. Um, so Fournette is a guy who is going to be a guy you can draft. Typically, he's going to go sec- late. Right now, I think he's going late second round. I, don't, I didn't look up the ADP on him exactly. Um, but I think he's a guy who's probably worth a mid-second round pick, uh, you know, borderline top 12 running back. Um, as far as a guy you can find on the waiver wire in season, uh, the name that comes to me is DJ Chark. Uh, he was a rookie last season, did not play a ton, um, but the one thing that Chark does well uh, from his college days is he is a big receiver who can get vertical in a hurry. He's really fast. Uh, Nick Foles with Philly um, one of the, the calling cards of that Philly offense is the deep ball, and Chark is probably the best suited on the Jaguars as a receiver to carry that over to Jacksonville. Um, and, he, and the reports out of camp have been really positive for him. I expect him to kind of have a, take a big step forward this year. Okay. And, and he can be a great best ball option or you know a dart throw in DFS tournaments, things like that. And if things go well early in the year, he's going to be available on the wire. Um, as far as rookies, there's two names. Um, neither one are going to start the year as a guy you need to own, but Ryquel Armstead is a handcuff for Leonard Fournette. Um, played at Temple in college, was a decent back in college, um, but does a lot of the same things Fournette does. Um, so if something happens to Fournette, he's going to be the guy to own. He's obviously not going to be a 100% clone. <laughs> Uh, so it'll be a little bit of a drop-off, but he's probably better suited to back him up than Alfred Blue, who's the other option there. Uh, and then the other is Josh Oliver, uh, who is the tight end that they drafted. Um, the only guy ahead of him on the depth chart is Jeff Swaim. So not a whole lot for him to beat out if he does show well early in the season. No, certainly not. So do you think that'll happen? Um, I think it's I think it's possible. Um, but they probably he still won't be a very fantasy relevant tight end on that team. If it happens, it happens late in the year probably. No, do you hold out a lot of hope for them improving on five and eleven? A lot of it, actually. I yeah. think this is. A, you least, think Foles I, is going to be the answer? I think they've got, or a, at least a better answer. Well, they have a good defense. Still, I think they right? still so have a loaded defense, and you add a consistent quarterback. I think this team, at worst, is a five hundred team, especially with Andrew Luck retired. <laughs> Thank you.
so we'll move on to the Carolina Panthers. Um, so since last year, the biggest change for them has been that they got rid of Devin Funches, who, in my opinion, as a watcher of All or Nothing on Amazon, is that he was a bunch of dead weight and uh, they're better off without him on the team. <laughs> so it's kind of an addition through subtraction thing. It clears the way for Curtis Samuel to become the regular starter opposite of DJ Moore. Um, so that way, you know, you can kind of uh, work w- from within the system to improve the team rather than having to worry so much about acquisitions. Now, they did acquire Chris Hogan as well, um, but Chris Hogan basically gets between 55 and 61 targets a year over the last, like, five seasons in Buffalo and New England. So no matter where he is, he pretty much does the same amount of work. Um, I don't expect a lot more from Hogan unless there's injuries, so I wouldn't bother with Hogan as a fantasy-relevant player in drafts at the very least. Um, So breakout guys, I like DJ Moore this year. Um, He nearly reached our criteria last year. He had 788 yards receiving and another, like, 120 or 130 yards rushing. So he was very close to 1,000, Dave. I made sure he wasn't there, though. (laughs) (laughs) So I think uh, Moore will improve on those numbers um, because he's going to be the first option in the passing game all year long. Uh, He's being drafted like someone who's going to be starting every week, um, you know, being the 67th player off the board, WR28. Um, So that's late 7th round if you're in a 10-team league. Um, And that's, you know, WR28 is starting everywhere in week one at least i guess as an aside if we're talking about a breakout wide receiver then we can have an arbitrary stat line like a thousand yards right or a certain amount of touchdowns or a combination of both but i think what it really means is that it's someone that during that season when he's doing really well you can use as your actual wr2 like on your team actually want to start him every week absolutely yeah and that's that's what I think that uh, DJ Moore has the ability to get to. I also think Curtis Samuel could get there. I don't think both of them will make it there. I think it's going to be one or the other. I'm going to uh, make a bold claim that Curtis Samuel outscores DJ Moore this year. I don't know that that is necessarily bold. <laughs> fair. That's fair. I mean, so Curtis Samuel is ADP 97, WR 40. Yeah, he's been he's being he's taken like basically as a... a tier and a half below him. That's all. Yeah. So I do think one of these guys is going to have a thousand yards receiving this year. He's going to have a good season, provided Newton stays healthy and his shoulder doesn't fall off. Um, so Samuel has improved every year so far. Uh, it is his third season now. He's moving up the death chart. He should start all year. Um, they're not going under the radar. So if any of them wind up at good value for you, uh, say you can pick up more in the seventh round or you can pick up Curtis Samuel in the tenth round, I would go ahead and go for it. Um, so the defense is going to be concerned with stopping Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton. So wide receivers are going to have plenty of room. They're going to rarely be double teamed. A lot of that safety help is going to be focused on the middle of the field rather you're, than you're going to lose. The you're going to lose your Chicago card real quick talking things like defense. <laughs> That's defense, son. Defense. <laughs> Ditka. <laughs> so. Oh, hold on. Let me get some of this beer. Mm, sorry to interrupt your, your flow. Yeah, we're drinking beers that are hopefully representative of the places that we're talking about. So I currently have a Cigar City High Lie Pale Ale, which I believe is brewed in uh, Tampa. Tampa, Florida. Very nice. So we will get to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a few minutes. Uh, we also have Foggy Geezer from War Pigs and Three Floyds. Both of them are in Indiana which is more of a Chicago suburb, but we're talking about the Colts, and that was the only other cold beer that they had that represented a region we're talking about. All right. (laughs) It's amazing we could get two different ones. (laughs) 
and here in Chicago, no less. Um, so uh, the sleeper on this team that um, you know that I like the most, anyways, is uh, Greg Olson. So his ADP is 144, his tight end is 15. I know you may say, well, of course, he's Greg Olson, he's not a sleeper, uh, but he is being drafted at the very end of most drafts, um, mostly, be, mostly because of his health problems from last year. You know, he fractured his foot, came back, and basically stepped on the field and broke it again. Um, so uh, they, they went over it in all or nothing, and I believe he broke the same foot in two different places. It wasn't the same break twice. So I don't know what that means, really, to be honest with you. I'm not a doctor. Um, but if you're drafting a tight end at the end of the draft, you're probably only going to grab one. Uh, you may grab two, but that's kind of a waste, in my opinion, because uh, if you're going to take someone that late, you should be streaming tight ends at this point. And if you're streaming tight ends, then you don't really care if one of your guys gets hurt because you didn't invest much in them in the first place. Sure, unless you unless you pick up an Ian Thomas, for example, and you just have the Carolina Panthers tight end. Sure. <laughs> Which, I mean, it'd be better if you could get for one pick instead of two. Yeah, and I like him as a waiver pickup. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, first you need to worry about, you know, Greg Olson. I, I don't know. Look, Greg Olson is a really high ceiling. Uh, he is just outside that top tier of tight ends if he's healthy and plays uh, up to his ability during the season. Uh, but unfortunately, his floor is broken foot and he scores you zero points in week one and you have to drop him. Mm. Um yeah, I honestly, I think they're going to actually play a lot of two tight end sets this year because who's the number three wide receiver on that team? Exactly. I think you're going to see a, Ian, a lot of Ian Thomas and Greg Olson out there together, and I think you know Thomas is a guy that is going to have some upside even even in weeks necessarily when Olson's healthy. I guess you could say that the number three receiver is either Samuel or Moore because Kirsten McCaffrey is the number one receiver because he had 107 catches last year. Uh, he is the uh, stud on this team. Um, so he's being drafted as the third guy off the board, third running back. Um, I think, uh, you know, he's the top choice for a lot of people this year. For You know, I'm seeing Saquon Barkley as a consensus number one, but I'm not seeing him actually drafted at number one in any of my drafts. Uh, most of them have gone either McCaffrey or Kamara. Um, so, you know, take that as you will. I, I just think they're on better offenses, and that's what people like is some sort of security blanket there. You know, I think they'd rather have the guy that they're sure will be – you know, fourth or second rather than the guy who might be first. Um, so in PPR, uh, McCaffrey finished 10th in his rookie year, 2017, second last year. Uh, he hasn't missed a game in his career. Um, you know, this is his third year. Uh, I guess we can't say he's breaking out, right, Dave? No. He's already broken. He definitely broke he out. He definitely <laughs> broke out, yeah. Um, his touches did almost double last year. Uh, he had 327 combined receptions and carries. Um, basically, he had way more receptions, and his carries basically doubled. Um, so running backs can usually go a couple of years with this kind of workload. So I'm confident that he'll be okay this year. Um, he's not going to get, like, wear down injuries. He could tear an ACL just like any of us could uh, walking out to the car on the way to work. Um, but, you know, I, I really think that McCaffrey can be durable. He's not as small as you think. Um and he's going to get a ton of touches this season. So anybody who you're going to draft high is somebody who you want to have a ton of touches. He'll definitely have more touches than like Alvin Kamara. So I like your analysis, but I'm a little worried now um, every time I get up and walk to my car in the morning that I'm going to tear an ACL. So thanks for putting... It's funny that I use that analogy because the two people sitting at the table with me do not get up and walk to their car in the morning. <laughs> oh, so anyways... Uh, 
the waiver pickup that I like this year. So one thing I did notice, which we don't usually bring up in these discussions, is that the Panthers' defense and the Panthers' kicker, uh, Graham Gano, are both ranked kind of low. They're the 25th at their respective positions off the board, which means they're not being drafted much at all. Um, but they traditionally are very reliable, and you know the that that carries over a bit from year to year. I would say. Um, so they'll definitely be streaming options throughout the year. So as far as waiver pickups go, those are uh, two that you're going to be looking at a lot. Then you've got Ian Thomas. His ADP is 311, tight end 33. I think I win for having the lowest guy on the ADP board so far. Um, so I want to keep an eye on him because if you draft Greg Olson's broken foot, then you're going to need Ian Thomas once the broken foot reveals itself. Uh, Thomas did look decent filling in for Olson, although he had a seven-game stretch in the middle of the season where he had one catch. So, um, as far as streaming options go, uh, you could do a lot worse than Ian Thomas if Greg Olson's not playing. So, again, the Panthers did not really draft any rookies at skill positions. Uh, nobody who I expect to be fantasy relevant this year. Uh, they did pick up real Will Greer to compete for the backup job behind Cam Newton. Um, and they may just wind up carrying three guys, right, Sean? Yeah, I, I'm thinking... Uh, ta- um... Sorry, Taylor Henneke is probably going to hold on to the backup job. Greer has been up and down in the preseason, shown a willingness to push the ball down the field, but has not been consistently, you know, solid at it. Um, you know, I like Greer long term, but I think Hen- Hen- Tyler. I'm sorry, I'm going to mispronounce it again. T- Taylor Henneke uh, is going to be the guy who ends <laughs> up as the backup behind Cam Newton. Taylor Heineken. Basically, uh, <laughs> I would say there are two running backs to at least know of because McCaffrey's not going to get 100% of the running back touches. Uh, and they're uh, Elijah Holyfield and okay. Jordan Scarlett. Holyfield is more of a, a thunder, kind of big, powerful between the tackles runner. Okay. Who would be a nice complement to what McCaffrey does. Scarlett. Well, McCaffrey is, runs between the tackles just fine. Sure, but he doesn't have the same kind of size and just nobody strength. Would, nobody's that, calling him Thunder. No. But he might exactly, be white lightning. Exactly. Holyfield is like the Thunder. Scarlett's more well-rounded. Um, would be a guy who'd probably step in if something happened to McCaffrey is more of the all-around back. But Holyfield may s- still steal a couple goal line touches here or there. Two things. Uh, first of all, uh, I talked about a tight end previously, Jordan Thomas, who wins the battle of the lowest ranked Thomas. Oh, I'll drink to that. <laughs> uh, but I think both guys could could do well this year. So it's an interesting uh, fact that they were both kind of lined up for, yeah. for waiver picks. I didn't even pick the lowest ranked Thomas. What am I thinking? <laughs> well, if a guy's ADP is, is 300 or up, then it's a pretty safe bet. Should that... we have a bet of the Thomases? No, I don't think so. <laughs> No, just a gentleman's bet. Handshake. Uh, we neither of us probably roster them right now. I'll take Ian. You take Jordan. Ian's uh, eminently more rosterable, considering that Greg Wilson's floor is the instant broken foot, like you mentioned. Yes. And the second thing is uh, Gano, the kicker. I believe there was a really big uh, kicker controversy. A lot of people hated him, didn't like him, that he wasn't doing so well for a little while, and he was going to make a bunch of money. So they thought that they were going to drop him. And I think that's why he was rated a little bit lower. Sure. That, that and the fact that Cam Newton uh, has been sort of questionable, you know, the last two years with injuries, et cetera. So, yeah, you're it, not sure if the offense is going to run well. Yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey will do well regardless, but if you don't have a quarterback there um, and it's Taylor Heineken quarterbacking, then I, I don't know that anything's going to happen. And, you know, I, I definitely uh, remember the sort of kicker 
grumblings there, but uh, after the Bears double-doinked their way out of the playoffs, I think all the other kickers in the league were like, uh, people are going to stop picking on us because that's about as bad as it gets. True. As someone who does rankings, uh, I, I would say that what probably happened is that nobody's updated their kicker rankings yet. <laughs> Here's Smith, and he is dicked. Chris Peace. He is dicked. He is dicked. He got dicked. Did you hear that? I love it. I, I did catch that. I <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys for listening, the, those of you that are online right now and those of you who are listening later. Uh, again, if you can figure out the theme to the songs uh, that are going on in today's podcast, please email jason at drink5.com or david drink5.com at your leisure and let us know. Uh, the winners may get some kind of a prize. Uh, we are moving to Indianapolis, a place where uh, the three of us at this table actually just drove past recently on our way back from Louisville, Kentucky. And while we were there in Louisville uh, and probably drinking copious amounts of alcohol because we were at a bachelor party. I probably was. Uh, around 9.29 p.m. or something like that, something, you know, something like that, uh, Andrew Luck announced his retirement uh, while we were at dinner. Actually, the three of us. Yeah, we're and just sitting just, at a bar. It just like, what the hell? popped up on a little tiny TV with a big red bar that says, Andrew Luck announced his retirement. And I don't think anyone could believe that. Not not the players, the fans, the analysts, the coaches. Um, no one could really believe that that actually occurred. So let's talk a little bit about that. And uh, before we do, uh, how about a three-second silence for the fantasy values of the Indianapolis Colts? All right. Very well, well observed. So let me just get uh, a quick 30-second snip from you guys. Uh, uh, and Jason, uh, what did you think about Andrew Luck retiring and how that affects the Colts overall, uh, just in a general sense? Um, you know, based on what he said, it makes complete sense. If you are like unable to really get healthy, you know, why would you keep playing the game when you don't need it to survive? You know, um, so uh, fantasy wise, uh, yeah, it's a bummer. I drafted Paris Campbell in a dynasty league. I was really looking forward to it. In general, I was looking forward to seeing the Colts this year. I feel like they've been a team on the up and up and could have competed for the AFC championship. Um, I still think that they'll compete for the division, even with Jacoby Prezet. Well, we'll we'll talk about that as we go on, and that's an interesting uh, viewpoint. I don't disagree, uh, certainly not completely. Sean, what do you think? What, what are your immediate reactions when you heard that news and how it affects, in general, the uh, fantasy uh, outlook for the team? I mean, I was, I was very generally shocked to hear Andrew Luck's retiring, um, but at the same time, I get it. You know, I get why he's hanging him up. Uh, it definitely isn't going to be an upgrade for their fantasy outlook, but I don't think it's going to be as big of a hit as people are making it out to be. People are talking like, well, the Colts season is over. 
you know, you know, what are they going to do from here? Completely fade T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack and everyone. I think there are certain guys that it certainly hurts more than others, but I think it's mostly the marginal guys. Like De- Devin Funches certainly loses a ton of his value. The tight ends lose a bit of value. Um, but I think as far as T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack go, I'm still in. And I think Brissett's a guy that late in the year people are going to be picking up on the waiver wire. There's too many weapons there uh, for him to be a completely irrelevant quarterback. How many shares of Marlon Mack do you own? I believe just one. I own a big fat just, share. Just one. <laughs> I believe I own the share in Drink Five. It is. It is in my highest, you know, money, highest stakes league seasons. No, I'm just curious. So obviously that's hugely impactful. Um, but I tend to agree with you guys that it doesn't mean that we need to pronounce them dead. Let's talk about it a little bit. First of all, uh, since last year, obviously Andrew Luck will not be the quarterback this year, at least for right now. We might see him in the XFL. Who knows? They <laughs> added uh, Devin Funches after losing Dontrell Inman and Ryan Grant and added Spencer Ware. Uh, most of those guys won't have a big impact. The person out of that group probably to have the biggest impact would be Devin Funches, who I've seen take down a, a number of throws from Jacoby Brissett in preseason games. But that doesn't really mean that much. Um, he'll probably be a starter at the beginning of the season, but he might not be a starter at the end of the season. Um, breakout guy on the team, I like Dion Kane. He's a second-year guy. M- many people might consider him to be a rookie because he actually injured himself towards ACL in early August last year in a training camp slash the beginning of preseason. So his name may have f- faded from some people's memories, but he should be a week one starter for the Colts and has been showing really good chemistry with Brissett, which is what we actually need how many times do you see preseason games where you see good chemistry developing and appearing between a younger wide receiver and the backup quarterback only to find out that neither of those guys will be starting, neither of those guys are fantasy <laughs> relevant? In this case, I think both Brissett and Deion Kane will be from week one putting up fantasy points. So it was cool to see that happen in preseason. It will actually translate to you know the real NFL games. You don't think so? Sean disagrees um, over here. Unless they're playing four wide receiver sets, I don't see Deion Kane on the field a whole lot early on. So I disagree, but I guess we'll see what happens there. Uh, a sleeper that you could draft, in my opinion, is uh, uh, is Hines. How do you pronounce his name? Is it, is it Naheem? Uh, yeah, Naheem Hines, I Na- believe. Naheem Hines. Uh, ADP of 185, running back 58, number 58 off the board. Uh, as a safety valve for the new quarterback and improving on the yardage from last year, maybe. He had 425 yards last year and two touchdowns. He was a guy that had uh, high double-digit uh, receptions, but wasn't really involved at all in the short yardage running, and he still won't be because they have uh, Marlon Mack and they have Jordan Wilkins. And those guys are going to take care of all that. So his fantasy production depends on how much they're passing the ball out of the backfield. If that happens a lot with Brissett, then we'll see a lot of Hines. What guy can you draft without hesitation? I like Marlon Mack, ADP 38, running back 21. However, Mack is not a stud. Uh, Mack is, is not someone we can consider to be in that top tier, whether you're talking about top 15 or top 12 in their position, whereas T.Y. Hilton is. And so I think that even without luck, as Sean was talking about earlier, Hilton is still someone that can be drafted as a stud wide receiver. ADP 41, wide receiver 15. He's at the very end of that tier, but he has higher upside, more value. He's had five 1,000-yard-plus receiving seasons. And uh, Mac, granted, he's only been around for a couple years, but he has still not reached 1,000 yards rushing. 
So Hilton is the stud on this team and pretty much the only one that they have. But Mac is not far away if they end up doing a lot of running, especially to help out uh, Brissett and get things moving on the offense. It could be his first 1,000-yard season. Waiver picks on the season. Everybody's drafting Eric Ebron because he had so many touchdowns last year. And I understand. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? ADP of 90, tight end 8. So if you miss out on the top five tight ends, Ebron's a guy who almost always comes out in those lower rounds. We're talking about rounds uh, 8, 9, and 10. Yeah. And Ebron will appear every single time. And that's great. It makes sense. But we're not really thinking about Jack Doyle very much, whose ADP is 203, tight end 21. He finished the 2017 season as the tight end 8 with 80 receptions without Andrew Luck. And he didn't participate in the offseason program at all this year due to hip and kidney surgeries. So is it possible that he could cause Ebron to be a bust or that both of them could cancel each other out? Absolutely. Uh, and I think we're, we're forgetting about uh, the problems that, that have occurred previously in taking Doyle and someone else on the Colts because they've generally uh, had two tight ends that have been able to produce in fantasy. Well, I mean, another thing to be aware of, too, is they also really love their number three tight end, Mo Alley-Cox. Um, but who was the quarterback in 2017 when Doyle put up those numbers? Uh, Brissett. It was Jacoby Brissett. Yep. So that's what I'm talking about. I think Doyle might be, especially with this news, in a better light you know, cast than he was earlier in the preseason. So all those guys who took Ebron, maybe you want to rethink that or trade it to somebody else who likes big touchdowns that happened in the past. Uh, the rookies to know on this team, Paris Campbell, who Jason mentioned earlier, a lot of people drafted in Dynasty, and of course they did. Why wouldn't you take a, a good-looking receiver um, who has Andrew Luck as his quarterback? ADP of 205, yeah, right? wide receiver 70. He's missed the last 15 team practices. That's 12 uh, during training camp and three over the past couple of weeks in training camp and preseason due to a lingering hamstring injury. Now, granted... Uh, wide receivers and running backs that come in from college almost always get some kind of soft tissue injuries and practicing in the NFL. I don't know why that is. I guess they're practicing harder um, or faster or they're pushing them harder or whatever. But it's not out of the norm that he's having these injuries. The, the problem is that he hasn't been practicing at all. So I don't think he's a guy who immediately starts. I think he's a guy who starts um, a couple weeks in or, or towards the end of the season if he proves himself to be that kind of commodity now i did want to bring sean into this conversation because i know he doesn't believe that Dion kane will be a starter and i don't know if you think that it's campbell that will be up there instead um but but let's talk about who you view on the team as some rookies we should be aware of um and your outlook on kane which i think is opposing mine so for me, uh, it's definitely Paris Campbell is the guy that I think is the number three wide receiver and not Deion Kane. I think they opened the year with the top three being Hilton, Funchess, and Paris Campbell. I agree with you. He missed some time in camp. Uh, all the reports out of camp before the injury were glowing about Paris Campbell. I mean, everyone, the, the talk on him in college was he's this little, like, short receiver who's going to run these little drag and crossing routes. He's not a downfield threat. He only catches the ball a few yards from the line of scrimmage. And Frank Reich put those notions to bed right away in camp. He can run all of the routes. He can do everything we want him to do. Um, they love him. And he is back in camp, and they're saying he should be ready for week one. That's been the most recent updates I've heard. I do think they may ease him in in week one, but I think if they do that, it's going to be more with two tight end sets 
rather than running Deion Kane out there a bunch. That's why I don't really buy Kane even early in the season. I think they'll they'll play Campbell a bit, but they'll do it um, when they don't put him out there. It's going to be Doyle and Ebron and the top two receivers that are playing instead. Um, the only other rookie even worth naming, and it's really a long shot he has any impact this year, is Penny <laughs> Hart. He's an undrafted free agent rookie. Penny Hardaway? Uh, no, just Penny Hart. <laughs> oh, I just... Uh, he's from a small school. Which I just is love Anthony. What can I, I do? I believe, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he's from Georgia State. Uh, really small school receiver, but could have long-term upside because Funchess isn't there for a long time. Kane already has a season-ending injury. If something like that happens again, Hart has a future on the outside in Indy. So I don't disagree with the, the points that you made, except that I think that when someone misses that many weeks of practice, etc., they, they don't normally start the season. So we'll see what happens. And I know coach speak is coach speak. Of course, you're going to say that this guy who is technically uh, supposed to be really good and has shown it is going to play. But it's, it's. I mean, I don't think that any of that's written in stone yet, right? It's it's still kind of a toss-up exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but you're right. One of those guys will end up being the starter in that group. Um, you're also right in, in backing me up on saying that the tight ends will both get play time. So do you think that Ebron's being overdrafted and Jekdo's being underdrafted? Um, I think that Ebron's ADP is probably going to go to where it should be with the injury to Luck. I think he was being overdrafted when Luck was healthy. Yeah, because yeah, have to, he would have to repeat a, an insanely unsustainable tight end or touchdown rate. Um, and I do think that Doyle is going to take some of his work, even if it was Luck healthy. But I think Brissett's got that connection with him already. Um, I think both of them are going to have some value. I think you're right. Yeah, Ebron overdrafted, Doyle underdrafted, but Ebron's going to come down. They're probably both going to move down with the injury to Luck. Yeah. Oh, Doyle rules, though. Of course. So the next team we're going to talk about is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm kind of excited to talk about this team because they should have a very different offensive outlook for 2019 than they did in 2018 and really the last couple of years. Um, the biggest changes for them this season, Bruce Arians. Uh, it's a brand new you know, head coach and a guy who's had a ton of success as an offensive mind. I'm a big fan of uh, Arians. In the NFL. And now I know the offensive coordinator is going to be Byron Leftwich, and he's going to let Leftwich do a lot of the play calling. But Leftwich has kind of been the right-hand man of Arians for quite a while now uh, in terms of as a coach. Um, they also are going to have a new slot receiver. Deshaun Jackson uh, is now off to Philadelphia. Who's Deshaun Jackson? Is he a good receiver? I mean, he's old now. No, he's, <laughs> he's still a very good receiver. But between they lost Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys. Humphreys had, a, oh, I think, over 100 targets last year yep. uh, in the slot for them. They're both gone. Um, but... Yeah, that's the kind of the biggest changes. Change at the slot receiver position, and then Bruce Arians coming in. But Arians is going to change everything because the scheme is going to be very different this year than what it's been in years past. Um, you know, if we're going to talk about a breakout receiver, uh, I mean, the obvious option is Chris Godwin. Um, he's a name that I mean, everyone has talked up this preseason. Um, you know, he is being drafted as the 20th wide receiver off the board in PPR leagues, 47th overall. 
Um, I don't know if he should be drafted much higher than that, but I do see him being a guy who's going to break 1,000 yards or get very, very close to it. Um, Arians' offenses love to air it out, throw the ball down the field. But the guy that I kind of want to target as a breakout isn't really a wide receiver. It's O.J. Howard. I think O.J. Howard is the number four tight end. Everyone knows the big three. You've got, you know, Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz. Howard is the first guy I want after that group. I think he's going to have a huge season, uh, probably 800-plus yards, borderline 10 touchdowns. He's going to be a monster at tight end this year. Um, if you want to talk about a sleeper on this team, uh, how about a guy that does not have an ADP that I think should be drafted in every single league? Uh, Dare Ogunbowale. I don't know if I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing it, but he is going to open the year as a third down back in a Bruce Arians offense. Running backs catch the ball in that offense. And you look at the other two guys that they could have in that spot. It's Peyton Barber, who is not used as a receiver at all, and Ronald Jones, who really hasn't been either. I like that you picked the guys with the best names, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's plus. That's a, a plus maneuver. You get, you get what we're going for here on the podcast. How do you, how do you pronounce his last name again? <laughs> I don't know if I'm accurate. Ogunbowale? Ogunbowale is the way I'm going to pronounce it. Okay. Um, he went to Wisconsin. He's, this is actually his third year in the NFL, whether you've heard of him or not. He's been in the league for three years. His second year with Tampa. Uh, he was a return man for him last year. Um, but the talk is that he, at times, has looked like the best running back in camp. I think he's going to open the year as the pass-catching third down back, and I think by midseason he might be the back. He should be drafted everywhere. Okay, well, heed, heed that advice. Uh, as far as the, the stud you can lock in and not worry about, it's got to be Mike Evans. There's not anyone else in this offense that has the kind of upside and ceiling that he has. Um, so Evans, I mean, Evans kind of gets treated like he's an inconsistent guy that people are kind of hesitant to draft some years. Um, but over his first five years in the league, he's averaged almost 80 catches, over 1,200 yards, and eight touchdowns a season. Uh, he's, he's a monster, and he, he should be a much more efficient passing offense this year. He's being drafted as the number nine wide receiver off the board. I wouldn't let him fall farther than that. I mean, he could end up at, like, number two or three. He very well could if their offense clicks. And it and doesn't really matter who his quarterback is, as long as it, they can chuck it to Mike. It does, since they don't have a backup like they did in past years. Fitzpatrick. Yeah, they don't have Fitz, Fitzmagic. They don't have Fitzmagic. I'm trying to even think who the backup Fitzmagic is. Fitzmagic only works for three I games I think their backup time. quarterback right now is Ryan Griffin. So you want Winston It's not healthy. playing Gabbard anymore because he's hurt. Right, oh, I thought he right. was a tight end for Houston. Yeah, it's Ryan Griffin. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Griffin, former UConn quarterback, uh, is the backup right now. So, Uh-oh. So, yeah, keep, like, like keep Jameis healthy and Canada? limit the interceptions, and that offense is going to take off. Um, right. So you guys were getting Ogunbowale, correct? His father, Arike Ogunbowale, played basketball for the USA national team. I love it. For the or US. his mother. No, that, that sounds like a woman's name. Akire? It's like Erica, I think. Right. I just... Let's let's not go too far yeah. down the Ogunbowale. Let's not go down track. that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> yep. So as far as a guy you could be picking up off the waiver wire on this team. Oh, it's Akira is uh, Dare's brother or oh. sister. Okay. They're siblings. Oh no, and I think she played at like Notre Dame or somewhere bit or Stanford. Okay. I think nice. Sean I could, already knows. And Sean wrong. knows where all the women basketball players went to college. I, too. I'm probably wrong. He's actually got a poster. It was probably Notre Dame because she's in a Notre Dame. He's player. got the whole Agunbowale yeah. family on um, on his wall. So as far as a waiver wire guy, you the can Agunbowales. pick up. 
Yeah. It's a sitcom coming to you on CW. Sean and the Aguma Wallace. <laughs> so getting back to the waiver wire here. Uh, the guy that I think that's going to be the most relevant uh, in midseason off the waiver wire, you're going to laugh at this, Brashad Perriman. Oh, boy. Um, he is already locked in as the wide receiver three in this offense. Um, I mean, his competition is basically Justin Watson and um, Scotty Miller, who was like a sixth-round draft pick this year, and Anthony Johnson, who was an undrafted free agent out of Buffalo. Those are his basic competition for wide receiver three. And like we said, Bruce Arians loves to play three wide receiver sets, loves to get vertical. Perriman is a vertical threat who is at least going to be on the field a lot. So there's going to be weeks where he produces. He's a name that keep an eye on him during the season. He may he may end up on your roster at some point. Um, he, and he's being drafted as the 129th wide receiver as of today. Um, as far as rookies on this team, there's not many that you're going to need to know. It sounds like most of the rookies that are on the team are unlikely to make the team. Uh, <laughs> basically, you have Bruce Anderson, who I liked coming out of North Dakota State as a running back. But again, okay. Ogun Bawali, you know. <laughs> there you go. You got it down. Um, and then Scotty Miller, uh, the sixth-round rookie receiver, sounds like he is kind of on the chopping block at the edge of the roster. Anthony Johnson had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons at Buffalo, put up 25 touchdowns in the last two years there. Mm-hmm. So there's upside. But, again, he's got to earn a spot and earn playing time. And right now it looks like Perriman's locked in at that wide receiver three spot. What about rookie Vincent Testaverde? Is he on that roster? He's not going to be on that roster. He's currently listed as the fourth quarterback right He's now. He's not going to be on that roster in a couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> well, with Blaine Gabbert gone, yeah, they would probably only carry two guys. Is that they, Vinny Testaverde Jr.? I think they're likely to I ca- assume so. Well, or just not Jr., but definitely Vinny's son. They'll probably carry three quarterbacks, but one of them will be Gabbert. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Use a blunt instrument, Dave. All right. Well, this is the part in the show where I finish my beer. So I'm going to do that right now. I've done that a couple times. Holy cow. Oh, you finished it, all right. This, uh, Jayalai... India Pale Ale. Anybody know the uh, ABV on this sucker? It is like seven, seven and a half percent. That tastes like seven and a half. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you guys mind if I have another one of these guys? The uh, Foggy Giza. Help yourself, it's, of it's course. It's what it's there for. All right, thank They're you. They're there to be drunk. So we have two teams left. Uh, the one I'm going to talk about is in Nashville. It's the Tennessee Titans. And uh, I really enjoyed, actually, uh, one time I was uh, in work uh, or at work in Nashville on a, a little bit of a work trip, and I went and saw the uh, 
uh, Titans versus the Jaguars in one of those, what do they call them? The, the, color, the color, color Rush. The Color Rush games on a Thursday uh, at the stadium in Nashville. And my hotel was across the street. I wasn't planning on going originally. It's across the street. I'm like, well, I have to go to the game now. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually pretty nice. It was a big open-air stadium. They had a bunch of live music uh, going on because it was Nashville. Like everywhere, there's bands playing. I, I really enjoyed it. Now, as far as the color rush and uh, seeing Blake Bortles versus Mariota, it was not my favorite football experience, I have hey, to say. Baby blue versus gold. But the stadium was cool, and that's what I'm here to tell you guys. Go check it out if you want to see a cool stadium, but not a really good football team. <laughs> However, uh, there's room for improvement always, and there's a lot to talk about with the Titans. What's changed since last year? First of all, let's congratulate new backup quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Yay! Congratulations, Titans fans. Possible now, new starter. Now you Ryan have a quarterback Tannehill. controversy. <laughs> I think it's hilarious because Sean is over there right now. He's uh, he's waving no. He's mixing that. I'm signaling hard no, hard no on Tannehill. But the fun the fun fact is Mariota is not a great quarterback. So that's a fun fact. It will quick it will quickly uh, uh, I think go into um, fans wanting Tannehill to start. However. Hopefully that's not the case. We would like if they immediately started doing really well and pulled together with good chemistry. The Titans also added wide receiver Adam Humphreys, who um, Sean was mentioning when he talked about the Buccaneers. And he's a slot receiver that gets tons of targets, or at least has in the past. And then drafted rookie wide receiver A.J. Brown, who we'll certainly talk about during this conversation, and who was, uh, according to a lot of people, maybe the best wide receiver out of this entire draft. However, his landing spot was not so great for him necessarily. So we'll, we'll touch on that. Who could be a breakout guy? Uh, the narrative says third-year wide receiver. Again, it's cool when that actually happens. Corey Davis should be the breakout player on the Titans. Right now, his ADP is 94, wide receiver number 37. And I actually agree. I think he should be the breakout receiver. And 2018 basically doubled his stats over the previous year. 65 receptions, 891 yards. He doesn't have far to go to eclipse the 1,000 <laughs> mark. Yeah. Uh, the trouble is the offense, which again we'll talk about. But he's on a trajectory to be, to be an every week fantasy starter. Whereas uh, when he was a rookie and last year, there were weeks where you started him and then you had to just groan the entire afternoon while he was playing. Yeah, that that happens almost every time you start him. Look, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy starting Corey Davis this year. Okay, I'm I'm if there's a guy like he guarantees it. If there is a single player that I would call myself a truther for, it is Corey Davis. He's going to be good this year no matter who is under center because they finally have some guys to take the attention off of him. Right, it's true. Before it was basically only Corey Davis or Corey Davis and Delaney Walker or Corey Davis and Delaney Walker's replacement. And Richard Matthews. And Richard Matthews. Who's out of the Smith. was their other guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, a sleeper that you can draft. I would say Delaney Walker is that guy. Now, uh, I don't normally say that tight ends are sleepers. Jason mentioned one earlier in Greg Olson. I guess we're just saying the sleepers are the guys that really do go to sleep after the game's over because they're really old. Yes. Uh, he's 35 as of August 12th. Happy birthday, Delaney. And he strung together four straight seasons of 100-plus targets and 800-plus yards before he was injured in Game 1 of 2018. He's awesome, and Mariota loves him. And it's he's a, he's a wonderful red zone target. He's the guy. He's a go-to guy for the first downs every single time. Uh, and I saw him in preseason, and he looked good. Now, he might slow down during the season, but he's still going to be the go-to guy 
for Mariota. I see no reason why that wouldn't be the case. His ADP has been rising recently after people have seen that he actually scores touchdowns still in the preseason. <laughs> but it's still not very high. It's 114. It's a tight end 11. I think that Delaney Walker has the chance to finish as a 5 or 6 or 7. So I still think that, although sleeper is a term being used use, uh, loosely for me right now, in the tight end world, if you have a guy that could score... 8-plus touchdowns, and get 800-plus yards, then it's a guy you need to draft, especially if they'll slip to tight end 11 or 12. So I'm I'm a uh, Delaney Walker truther. I don't really like using that word, though. I know. It feels, <laughs> it feels weird to use it, um, but it felt right with Corey Davis. I will posit a different <laughs> sleeper on this team, though. Marcus Mariota. He's being drafted as the 27th quarterback off the board, but he's got the rushing ability that can suddenly make him a top 15 guy if the passing game clicks i can't get behind it but he has to prove it but but i appreciate your uh your enthusiasm you know and and maybe it'll work out for him it's possible that it just took him this many years for everything to click and to get enough offensive things around him yeah he's got to stay healthy and that's that's been the big problem most of the years is he hasn't stayed healthy Mm. fair enough uh, I also like Deion Lewis a little bit, former Patriots running back, ADP 129, running back number 46 as a possible sleeper if uh, incumbent starter Derrick Henry is unable to to live up to expectations. And unfortunately for Derrick Henry, expectations are large because last year he rushed for 1,000-plus yards and 12 touchdowns. And uh, as we know, uh, the people that paid attention to the season last year, a lot of that came at the end. The end of the season, he was suddenly running like a bat out of hell. I think six of those touchdowns came in like just two of the last couple games. Well, I don't know what happened, but it's certainly possible that a switch was simply turned inside of him. It's not like teams stopped playing the Titans, you know? They didn't just give up and go bowling. They, they actually did uh, go to war with that team, and Derrick Henry was just bigger and stronger than those guys. So if he's able to match those numbers this season... He'll be drafted as a stud running back in 2020 as one of the top 15 running backs. And I'd like to see that personally. I, I think Henry is a, a, you know, a monolith of a man. If he can get his ass together, uh, you know, that, that could work out well. Derrick Henry was like a secret league winner last year because end of um, the year. Yeah. Weeks 13, 14, 15 and 16. He had eight touchdowns and like 500, 600 yards. If you had him and Damian Williams as your two running backs at the end of the year, then you won but all you the didn't leagues. make it to the playoffs if they were your running backs. Oh, that's right. So <laughs> if you had made it to the playoffs, you would have won them. You just, you just needed to pick up like Philip Lindsay early in the year and start him all year yes. and then bring and then him then in And swap late. him out. Then bring him back. Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry didn't eclipse 60 yards on the season. His highest was 58, and then he ran for 238 yards. You know, he had one carry in that game that, game that was, was greater than any of his previous games that year. That game was Damn. awesome. I remember watching that on TV, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to sit down. It's 30 gonna, to 9. I'm going to get a beer, and I'm going to watch this. Yeah. Um, waiver pickups during the season. We talked about Adam Humphreys. Uh, Sean mentioned that when he was a Buccaneer, he had over 100 targets. His ADP is 224, wide receiver 74, not being drafted in current leagues. But last year, he had 76 receptions for 816 yards and five touchdowns playing a slot receiver for the Bucks. So on this team, the problem is going to be that, that there may not be enough targets to spread around to these receivers that are actually good. 
I mean, you've got Adam Humphreys, and you've got Corey Davis, and you've got Delaney Walker, and you also have A.J. Brown, who's going to slot in there. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of targets to, to be spread around, but they're probably going to be focused towards Corey Davis and uh, Delaney Walker. That's that's where I see them going. So Adam Humphreys will likely take a hit or, or be right around where he was last year, but I don't know if he can get 100-plus targets again. That'd be rough. Who are the rookies to know? I like A.J. Brown. I think that he is one of the most uh, technically good wide receivers that can do all the things to be a number one guy on a team that I've seen in a couple drafts, especially this one, this last year. Uh, But his ADP is 207, and he's the wide receiver 71. Now, if he was drafted to a different team, uh, the Steelers or the Colts or whatever, and maybe not the Colts anymore, but you you get my drift, uh, he would have been one of the first guys off the board in rookie drafts. But he wasn't. He was drafted to the Titans, who still are trying to get a grip on their offensive situation. So he has to deal with uh, unpredictable quarterback play, a struggling offensive line, a middling number of targets available, a depth chart that has a whole bunch of other passing targets. It's it's a little rough for him, and I think he'll be great, but probably not this year. Um, so let me pass it over to Sean, talk about any other rookies and his view on AJ, and then we'll move on to the last team of the night. Yeah, no, I generally agree with you with AJ Brown. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard for him to make a huge fantasy impact as a rookie. Uh, I mean, if anything happened to Humphreys, if anything happened to Corey Davis, his role obviously grows exponentially. And yeah, gets some targets, gets, right. Gets, becomes a guy who's valuable. Um, but again, he's a talented enough guy that maybe that comes through and he, he supplants Humphreys in, in terms of pecking order early. Uh, and again, we don't really know what Delaney Walker is going to be coming off the injury yet. Um, so he's a guy that keep an eye on in the waiver wire if he does do well early on. Uh, the only other rookie on this team worth following is Alex Barnes out of Kansas State. Um, he's a running back who I think would be uh, first in line to replace Derrick Henry should anything happen. Deion Lewis is not going to be an early down guy on that team. Alex Barnes is going to kind of battle Jeremy McNichols for that next role. Um, McNichols has already flamed out with a couple other teams. Barnes is an undrafted rookie coming in this year uh, who ran for over you know over 1,300 yards last year at Kansas State. Okay. Um, so he's the only other name to know as far as rookies on that team. Great. Thank you very much. My right now, I got an 80 on ultimate team, so I'm gonna go play with myself today. So see how I feel. That came out weird. <laughs> He's gonna go play with himself a little bit. He's got a great Madden rating. You gotta do that. <laughs> the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, "Boy, let me tell you what." I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, My name's Johnny, and it might Knock on be wood a if sin, you're with me. But I'll take your bet, and you're gonna regret because I'm the best. <laughs> so last team to talk about tonight, the last team to talk about for the preseason is the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, so we have now done all 32 teams. Yeah, next week will be a week one preview. So we're, we're do you know everything about every team now, Jason? I know or? everything there is to know about all of the teams. All I'm right. going to win all of my leagues this year. Well, I'm because in some I of listen them, to so. all of the all of the uh, podcasts. Well, I don't know if that's true. I listen to them live. <laughs> that's true. So, uh, so we're going down to Atlanta, huh? Yeah. Uh, so the Falcons have the dual backfield attack. 
have had a dual backfield attack for the last couple of years. But Tevin Coleman, uh, Tevin Coleman has moved out west. And Devontae Freeman, whose ADP is 31, as the 16th running back off the board, um, is going to be the main back there. And then you got Ito Smith behind him. Uh, his ADP is 166. He's the 56th guy off the board. He's a change of pace guy. Um, I suspect that it's going to wind up as a Freeman-dominated backfield with Smith getting only five to eight touches per game. So I think that those uh, draft spots are pretty accurate. Freeman is probably uh, one of the cheapest um, bell cow backs, if you will, uh, in the draft right now. Um, you know, and that's, you know, I, I think one of the reasons is because he has an injury history and because he's on a team that up until very recently was splitting carries with him. Um, but I, I just don't see Edo Smith as a guy who gets the same sort of usage as Tevin Coleman did. Um, so the rest of the Falcons offense does look pretty much like it did last year. They finished sixth last year in total yards, uh, despite the fact that they were 29th in average starting field position. Now you could look at that two ways, I suppose. You could say, okay, average starting field position means you have a lot more yards you can gain, uh, or that average starting field position, uh, if you're backed up a lot, just makes it harder. So I don't know, but they did have, they were sixth in total yards. This is an offense that uh, I want to stress was good last year in a year where they struggled uh, as a team. Uh, And we know that the Falcons have been good in the past. They made it to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Matt Ryan was an MVP. Um, So this is a team with a lot of good fantasy talent on it. Um, So the breakout guy this year uh, is not going to surprise anyone. He nearly reached uh, Dave's standard of breakout last year, but he didn't, so I get to use him. And it's Calvin Ridley. Well, the DSB is important, I guess. Yes. Uh, So his (laughs) ADP is 53. He's the 22nd wide receiver off the board. Uh, I believe he has the potential to be a top 10 guy along with Julio Jones. Not if Julio is out, but I think both of them could be a top 10 guy. Uh, he is the younger half of what uh, you could argue as one of the one of the best wide receiver combos in the league. Um, so he had 92 targets last year, 10 touchdowns, which is a crazy rate. Uh, he's going to see a lot of passes again, but he's not going to score touchdowns like that. So I like Ridley if he falls to you at like the 60th pick, um, but I would not reach for him. Don't take him above where his ADP is right now. I believe his ranking is about four positions like his expert consensus ranking about four spots lower than his adp um so i I like ridley but do not reach for him because he will not reproduce the touchdowns he had last year you know what's funny about the falcons to me is it always seems like they are poised to be the best offensive team to give you all the fantasy points every single year and you can get like caught into their their atlanta spider web i mean they've julio jones led the league (laughs) in receiving yardage last year it's just julio Matt Ryan was the MVP. You know, they they are a very good team. They have a ton of good fantasy talent there. He's already drank the uh, Atlanta Kool-Aid. I'm I drinking guess. the red Kool-Aid and not eating Chick-fil-A on Sundays. I guess I guess um, in this reality of uh, the television program Sliders where they go to a place where the Atlanta Falcons win the 2019 Super Bowl. Where they don't blow a lead. <laughs> um, what's what's really interesting about this year... They tackle Deion Lewis on which, the one. Which you might love if, if you don't know, uh, is that uh, you know the, the crazy stats about Matt Ryan and the Falcons doing so much better in a dome and the playing inside than outside. Yeah. Well, they're they're playing in a dome almost every single game this year. Yes. And the games that they aren't playing in a dome, they're playing Are outside in, in Florida. 
Well, also San Francisco. Exactly. Yes. So, like, if, if you're the, the guy looking for planets to align for the uh, Atlanta Falcons, this is the year. Absolutely. They play. <laughs> they don't play outside until November 17th, and they go to Charlotte, not a place that's notorious for bad weather in November. Uh, their other outdoor games are in December. It's Tampa Bay and San Francisco. Somebody set uh, set this lineup uh, in the NFL Somebody office. Somebody the league office, yeah, owes Atlanta a favor. <laughs> and this is Atlanta cashing in on that. Um, so who is a sleeper that you can draft from this team? I like Austin Hooper. He is ADP 127, tight end 12. Sorry, Dave, I'm going with another tight end, but that's just the way it goes well, here. Apparently we like tight end sleepers. He's not an old guy, though, I believe, right? He's a He's not guy. an old guy, yeah. no. Um, so you can pick him up way late in the draft. He is being drafted, so you do need to pick him up. You can't wait for a waiver wire. Uh, he's had a solid couple of years. He improves his stats every season as he goes along. 71 catches on 88 targets last year. Uh, only a few tight ends in the league really can count on having numbers like that. I expect it to keep going up. Uh, so Dirk Cutter is their new slash returning offensive coordinator. Um, and I just want to point out, Cutter is the guy who makes tight ends awesome. So he made O.J. Howard a big name in fantasy football. He forced us all to learn who Cameron Braid is. And even Mercedes Lewis was a pro bowler under Dirk Cutter's... Uh, Dirk, Dirk Cutter held O.J. Howard back by using Cameron Braid. Well, I disagree with you wholeheartedly he on him making O.J. Howard... Cameron Braid is. Yeah, I disagree with him making O.J. Howard a star. But he's, 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 he is a big name in fantasy because of what he's done up until now. The college football playoff made O.J. Howard a star. <laughs> So I mean, you got to give me Mercedes Lewis, though. Sure, you can have Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, anyways, I like Austin Hooper. I think that he's going to finish way higher than tight end twelve this year. Um, so, if you miss out on the guys early, you need to take someone late. We have mentioned almost every tight end from like ten through fifteen today. We really like tight ends in the in the South divisions, I guess. I guess and so. Just for a little background, Mercedes Lewis had one career season higher than tight end seventeen, and that was two thousand ten. And Cutter was his <laughs> Cutter was his coordinator for like five years. Uh, well, you guys can you guys can have a fist fight about Cutter at some point, but I'm I not think saying that he's going that Austin Hooper is going to the Pro Bowl. I'm just saying. Like at the where he's at, he's a good pickup. Well, he's getting a lot of receptions, and that's important. What's important is getting a lot of targets and a lot of receptions. Yes, especially on a team that has a high-powered offense, which means you're going to be in the red zone. Speaking so, of, regardless of Cutter, the point is Hooper is probably trending to to have a similar kind of workload, is what you're saying. At least what he had last year. Yeah, fair. You know, speaking of guys who have a lot of targets and catches, you have Quintoris Lopez Jones, ADP fourteen WR four. It's Julio, man. Julio Jones. His nobody calls him Quintoris, but they should. His grandma calls him Quintoris. It's probably because it's you. too close to the little man in the rowboat. You know what I'm saying? You know what's crazy is on Pro Football Reference, it doesn't even say like Julio <laughs> as a nickname. It just says Quintoris Lopez Jones. I it's, on the Julio Jones page. It's quite a it's quite a name. <laughs> so despite being panned for not making the end zone until week eight last year. Uh, if you remember, early in the year, everyone was giving him shit like, oh, Julio sucks now. He can't score a touchdown. He scored eight touchdowns last year, which is fine. He led the league with 1,677 yards, which is excellent. He had over 100 yards 10 times last year. Um, and as we were saying earlier, the best thing to look forward to if you're drafting Falcons is that they don't play outside until November 17th. So it's a schedule that Drew Brees can only dream of. <laughs> yeah, uh, one thing to add with Julio Jones um, – the current run that he is on, of he's had five consecutive seasons of 1,300 yards or more. That's only been done one other time in NFL history by Torrey Holt. 
Interesting. Well, he might break that, especially this year, because apparently the planets are all aligning for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> they definitely are. <laughs> and those are all 1,400-plus yard seasons. Yeah. No, he's he is amazing. 1,409 is his low market in 2016. Yeah, and that and so yeah, left. that he's got the longest streak on because Holtz only cleared fourteen hundred twice, and he only played fourteen games that year. And the nails in his feet have nails in them. He's going for three thousand yards this year, guys. As he said very clearly, <laughs> "Fucking a, he's on one of my dynasty teams. Let's go." Uh, so waiver pickups this year, uh, the Falcons' offense tor- trends towards high volume guys. So you're going to see a lot of work towards Jones, towards Freeman. Uh, towards Ridley, so there's not a lot else out there. But guys that wind up on the waiver wire uh, are going to be very valuable in case um, anyone ahead of them goes down. So Ito Smith, whose ADP is 166, RB56, will be incredibly valuable if Devontae Freeman happens to go down. Uh, Mohamed Sanu, in case either of the two wide receivers go down ahead of him, his ADP is 175. He's the 61st receiver off the board. Um, They're not really going to produce on their own unless – somebody ahead of them goes down but if you are in a deeper league they are going to get drafted so keep an eye out for them uh otherwise they will be on the waiver wire in most normal leagues um so i still argue that the falcons do not have a fantasy relevant rookie this year but sean is going to prove me wrong uh not necessarily wrong but at least have a name for you to pay attention to okay uh kadri allison uh, running back out of pit. Could you spell um, that for me? Kadri Ogoblabole. I don't think there's a U. I think it's just Q-A-D-R-E-E, and then Allison's O-L-L-I-S-O-N. Who is another uh, Who's another player in the NFL with a Q in their first name and no U after it? Did you Ka- mentioned him earlier. Kadri Ismail, no? Didn't Kadri you, Ismail not have a U? Okay, there's probably more than one, I guess. <laughs> but you mentioned him earlier. Sounds like I have five. I don't <laughs> 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 all right and where do they all go to college no I honestly marquise lee has no Mar- u marquise lee does not have a u you're right um, oh yeah q i s e right yes yeah, yeah yeah that's that's trouble for spell checkers it all really right. it really is so no the thing with allison here's here's a quick stat with dirk cutter cutter's had a he's either been offensive coordinator or head coach in the nfl for 12 seasons of those 12 seasons nine of them the number two running back had at least 110 touches so he's very pro committee i mean there's normally a lead guy but the second guy normally is fantasy relevant and the depth chart i mean you mentioned ito smith but i think it's fairly open behind devonta freeman you're looking at either brian hill ito smith or allison depending on who kind of takes the reins of that having a fantasy relevant season yeah all right so you know we'll, we'll take it um do anybody have anything else to add about the falcons no, just final thoughts. I mean, join us next week when we talk about week one preview, and that's going to be fantastic. It's been so long since the we've had actual fantasy football. It's been so long. Every year it's longer and we've longer. We've almost had an it? entire offseason. I'm going to make one bold proclamation now. Start Tony Pollard week one because Zeke ain't going to be playing week one. I love it. Well, we'll know that on Sunday. No, I'm, we know it now. I love okay. it so much. Cowboys, first three games are the Giants, the Redskins, <laughs> and the Dolphins. They're going to wait till they're 3-0 and and say, Zeke, you have no leverage. Interesting. I love it. Make up your mind. Decide to walk with me. Good night, guys. We will catch you next week when we talk about uh, week one and, and all the fantasy decisions you made that were incorrect in your draft, how you can correct them going forward. 
Drink5. Cheers, guys. Dot com. <laughs>